The COVID-19 pandemic pushing local doctors and nurses to their limit. It is a monumental task. Now, as we get closer to the two-year mark, ICUs and emergency rooms still not just near capacity. We are not getting the reprieve that we hope we would get. But now forcing leaders to make what could be life-changing decisions. Patients are still having strokes. Patients are still having heart attacks. Patients are still having complications from things like diabetes. All while they turn to their colleagues to keep pushing. We feed off each other. We support each other. This is a KOLD News 13 original podcast, Conquering COVID. I'm Andrew Capasso with KOLD News 13. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Conquering COVID. Today, we're taking you inside intensive care units and emergency rooms. It has been ground zero for patients with the virus. You've heard the stories of doctors and nurses working countless extra shifts in those crowded hospitals. And now with the Delta variant, the main reason for new cases, healthcare workers going through it all again. We're talking with Dr. Christian Bimmy. He's the director of the intensive care unit at Banner Medical. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we are seeing cases of COVID-19 come down a bit from what we saw in the summer. What are you seeing in your ICUs in, in Tucson and across uh, Southern Arizona here? We're seeing a lot of patients. Uh, in fact, compared to the summer, we are very busy. Uh. We have a lot of patients in the ICUs. The majority of whom are unvaccinated. Uh, they tend to be younger compared to the previous surges that we had. And so we are not getting the reprieve that we hope we would get. How much of a concern is that for you guys? I know you doctors and nurses have been through so much. It is concerning for many reasons. Number one is, you know, burnout. People have been, you know, through this for multiple cycles. When I talk about people, I mean the healthcare personnel. Uh, We've been going at it for multiple cycles and, you know, having to do it over and over again uh, has become very concerning. As you say, your healthcare folks have been through plenty, and it's almost been two years now, Um, a vast majority of the patients we're seeing, a vast majority, the high 90% are people who are unvaccinated. What are the people treating patients in the ICU telling you about that? My colleagues are very professional. The ICU staff, we focus on treating the patients uh, without judgment. Mm -hmm. And so When they come in, we focus on what the problem is, how we can help to get them back on the men and out of the ICU for those that we can save. But I'll be lying to you if I say that, you know, there's not some level of frustration that, you know, people have not been vaccinated and they are now sick. We had hoped that with the vaccines being widely available for several months now, that we would not be dealing with so many people getting sick again. We have heard stories across the country about the unvaccinated, whether they're on a ventilator or not, while in the hospital, in the ICU, asking for the vaccine. Obviously, at that point, it's too late for that particular case. How do you approach that? Well, um, I work mainly in the ICU, and so most of the patients are already needing to be, under, to be put on the ventilator, critically ill. So there's not a whole lot of communication happening uh, with those that I see. Uh, but like you rightly said, it's too late 
to consider getting vaccinated when you are already critically ill uh, with the respiratory failure from the virus. So we do not, you know, spend a lot of time at that point wondering about what could have, should have. We just focus on the problem at hand and we hope that we can save the patient and that if we do, they will take the message out to those who are still hesitant and uh, implore them to take the vaccine. I want to talk a little bit more about this, this concern among the unvaccinated showing up in the ICUs and the frustration that doctors and nurses are dealing with. You know, we, when we think about patients, you know, and, 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 and I speak really, uh, you know, for myself here is when I approach patients, I try to leave the judgment out because if I do focus on trying to judge them, then I wouldn't do the job well. It would hinder my thought process and my decision-making. As, as difficult, difficult as it is, and as challenging as it may sound, we do have to leave that at bay and try to focus on what we are doing. Otherwise, we would not do it. Uh, but we are still human, so it does cross your mind and you wonder why they did not, but you still have to go back to do the best care that you can do. Uh, but, you know, in looking at this overall, you know, having to take care of all these patients that are succumbing to COVID and coming to the ICU, it is affecting our healthcare system and our ability to deliver care uh, for those non-COVID conditions that we normally take care of. And that is even more concerning, right? Because patients are still having strokes, patients are still having heart attacks, patients are still having complications from things like diabetes, patients are still having other infections. When those patients come in now and the ICU is full of COVID patients who take a long time to get out of the ICU, we are running into problems uh, of very congested hospitals and lack of capacity. That is something that the community at large needs to be aware of. Uh, and so irrespective of how we feel, there is a real problem uh, of our healthcare system, especially the critical care services, our ability to deliver the services that we need to deliver to everybody. And that's one thing I wanted to ask about. We've been watching ICU bed availability through this whole pandemic, and we've seen it go up and down. We're obviously seeing more people now. In other parts of the country, doctors and nurses have had to make some pretty, pretty tough decisions. Are you in that particular situation here at home? And if not, how far away do you think you are from that? We are pretty close because, you know, patients are needing to come in from the critical access hospitals to our ICU here in, uh, in Tucson uh, and some of the bigger hospitals across the state. And when we are full, we cannot help offload some of those smaller ICUs or out, outlying facilities. And so what ends up happening is that patients, there's a backlog of patients uh, that cannot come in. And when those patients stay in those places where they don't have the capacity to treat them, uh, ultimately there will be bad outcomes. So, you know, even if we are not making those decisions on site here, indirectly we are, because if we cannot bring them in in time to, to help them, then ultimately they may die while waiting to come in. How can, I, I won't use the word concerning because it obviously it is, but I guess how frustrating is that to you folks? It is frustrating. Uh, you know, Arizona is a state that has a lot of critical access hospitals and the system is designed such that those hospitals or outpatient uh, emergency uh, uh, centers can send the critically ill patients quickly to us. And for the system, them to work, we need to have the capacity to bring them in. And so not being able to bring them in in a timely manner 
it's incredibly frustrating. Misinformation from the vaccine is a significant reason that we're seeing the spike that we're in. Talk about the concern associated with that. I know you, the people that you see is too late for conversation, but can you use this as, because many of the loved ones of the people you see are also unvaccinated. Is that an opportunity to educate so this does not spread further, so you don't have to make more difficult decisions? We certainly try. And, you know, when we talk to the families of loved ones, we explain how sick they are. And we use it as a teaching moment to, you know, explain to them how vaccination would be helpful. And we do that in a respectful way because, you know, yes, misinformation has happened, but in the context of their loved one being critically ill, it is also important for us to establish that, you know, rapport with them and, and be respectful of, you know, their decision making. And so that's how I and my colleagues approach it. We always use, you know, every sick patient or every encounter as a teaching moment uh, where one-on-one -on -one, as a provider that is trusted, uh, by the loved one of the family member who's sick that we express to them how vaccination is a safe, is effective, and how uh, they should consider taking it. Have you ever seen something like this when you're talking about the full ICUs, the misinformation, the frustration, all of it with a vaccine available? Have you seen something like this? Absolutely not. It is shocking to me what is happening now. It's the perfect storm. And I, if you had asked me at the beginning of the pandemic that we would have a vaccine or vaccines that are safe and that people would not take it, I would have told you no, but we are here, so. How big of a hill do you think we as a community have to climb to get past this? It is a monumental task because, you know, people's minds are made up people have dug on their trenches and their position is set. And so, you know, the, the number of people who are easy to convince uh, is getting smaller and smaller. So we have to work together, not just the doctors, but as a society to gradually uh, make people who are hesitant, uh, you know, take the vaccine. And there are many approaches. I'm, I'm just an ICU doctor. I'm not a public health advocate, but we have to use all the toolkits available to us and get people to that place. Uh, and while being respectful, uh, but there is no question that this is a public health emergency and we must approach it as such. I want to ask you what you tell your doctors and nurses. As we've said several times, they've been through a lot. They're dealing with vaccine hesitant people and they're dealing with full ICUs and there's no end in sight. The fatigue is wearing, the stress is there, the frustration is there. What do you tell your, your, your staff as they still struggle through this? Uh, it's not just me telling them, it's usually a mutual conversation. We feed off each other, we support each other and we remember why we got into this position in this profession in the first place. And so, uh, you know, having those positive reinforcements uh, with each other is what keeps us going. Uh, there is nothing that I can tell them to uplift their spirit. Uh, sometimes the best conversation is just listening to them and hearing them out. One more I have for you. Um, just the advice from the ER and the ICU, it's obviously get vaccinated. What do you tell, I, I know you encounter people still on the fence about this. What do you tell them? 
in addition to explaining to them the efficacy of the vaccine and the safety profile as we know it today, I emphasize the point that vaccination is not just for self, it's for everyone else, it's for the community because being a public health emergency, a pandemic, we can only de defeat the, 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 the pandemic, the virus, if we work together. So vaccination is not just because of your personal risk, but it's also for the community. All right, Dr. Christian Bimmy, Director of Banner Medicals Intensive Care Unit. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Good luck to you, sir. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you again to Dr. Christian Bimmy. Next time, getting past the misinformation and hesitancy you heard us talk about there. Though vaccination numbers are slowly rising, there are still many who refuse to roll up their sleeves. We'll talk with healthcare leaders about how to address that issue and what can be done to get more people protected. Join us again for Conquering COVID, a KOLD News 13 original podcast. I'm Andrew Capasso.